Welcome to 30 Minutes with Nettie. My name is Nareda Fernandez. I go by Nettie and I am your host. The mission of 30 Minutes with Nettie is to provide a platform to discuss and share personal stories to enhance our understanding and personal growth. The idea is simple. The more we share, the more we can learn from one another. Get arrested, guess until he get the message. I feel the pressure under more scrutiny. And what I do, act more stupidly. Hey everyone, welcome to week 37 of 2017. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm super excited to share today's episode. Joining me today is Hendel Leva, the producer of the documentary film From One Mistake. In his film, Hendel talks about the factors that led him to target day laborers as a high school student despite having an undocumented father. And he takes us through the pivotal moments where he went from being an offender to an immigration activist. He touches on themes like hate speech, bullying, depression, suicide, challenges, and opportunity. A big thank you to Hendel. Hendel, thank you so much for taking the time to to share your story with us. And I wish you the best of luck and I'm looking forward to working with you in the future. I know that Jesus died for us, but I couldn't tell you who the side was. So I parallel double park that motherfucker sideways. Old folks talking about back in my day. Hey guys, I'm here with Hendel Leva from New York. He is the producer of From One Mistake documentary film. Hi Hendel. Hey, how are you? Good, thank you for meeting up with me. We're actually doing this through Skype because he is in Long Island, New York. So thank you so much for taking the time to to meet and to do this Skype. I'm really excited for you to share more about your projects. We met through Part-Time Exploradora, I believe. Shout out to uh, Valerie. Yeah, shout out to Valerie. And this is like one of the really cool things about social media is that we get to meet people that otherwise we wouldn't you know I don't think we would have met um, before so yeah shout out to part-time exploradora Valerie you want to just jump right into what you're doing your projects do you want to talk about the documentary film yeah sure um, so I released this documentary it's called from one mistake how immigration became my very personal fight I released it about a month and a half ago and so it's just my own personal journey into how immigration has played a big role in my life. So from my father being undocumented, um, my, my, my mom finding um, a way to come to the United States through uh, paperwork, as I like to call it. Um, you know, it's just talking about the complexities of the immigration system, but then growing up on Long Island, which has become the hotbed of anti-immigrant sentiment mm. over the past uh, 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of how I participated in some of that anti-immigrant sentiment and the realizations that I had in that moment and how it led me towards a journey of becoming an immigration activist and even mentoring um, a DACA recipient named Eliana Fernandez, who's just becoming a superstar on her own. And it just encompasses all that. And I did that specifically, you know, to put a film out there for like someone who loves Kanye West music or J. Cole music or Big Sean music for that audience. Um, you know, sometimes we get the same kind of documentaries that's like historical or political, but I just want to tell it from, from my end and that's something that people can just pick up, consume, you know, just like it's a part of culture. Yeah, yeah, that's one thing that I really liked about the documentary film. It was very relatable, would reference Kanye 
And then you even shared about how you're, I mean, are you still a Kanye fan? You know, uh, it's hard. I, I I would say I'm conflicted because the yeah. music is so good. But yeah. you know, when you have him standing next to the, you know, the president now, just feeling that he inspired so many people, but at the same time, just turn around and let them down. It's hard. It's hard yeah. for me to be a Kanye fan now. So I don't want to say too much about the documentary film because I do want people to check it out. Where can the listeners find your movie? So they can type it into YouTube. Uh, just type in from one mistake. Um, I made it free, you know, I uh, took $2,000 of my own money, just, you know, paid it out because, and, you know, so I didn't wait for funding, I didn't wait for advertisers, I couldn't wait because this moment right now is so important that people need to hear, you know, my story, but also learn how to use their own stories for social change, which, you know, in the documentary I explained is very easy, anybody could do it, and it's so important right now. It definitely is, especially right now. I wanted to know about Eliana, and I hope she's keeping her spirits high. With I know she was, uh, she is a DACA recipient, right? Yeah. So uh, Eliana, she uh, came from Ecuador when she was twelve. Uh, grew up in Long Island in Patchog, one of the places where um, a lot of anti-immigrant sentiment like came about, especially in two thousand eight, when an Ecuadorian immigrant named Marcelo Lucero was murdered. Um, by a group of kids that were just looking to attack Mexicans. So she grew up in that town. And um, so, yeah, so she applied for DACA. She got it. um, But ever since, like, she's just been using that opportunity to her fullest potential to to, uh, advocate for other people who are still in the shadows, who are still, you know, victims of crimes, who are still victims of, um, you know, immigration policy that, that doesn't help. So, um, you know, she's just become a fierce activist. And yeah, I mean, she told me that after the announcement that DACA was being canceled, she cried all morning. But by the afternoon, she was just ready to get back there and get ready back to the fight. Then she was leading um, a protest out in uh, Columbus Circle, like, you know, right in the middle of New York. Nice. Uh-huh. And, she, and then she appeared in the Time Magazine video. Like, yeah. so that all happened. And one thing that I will say about Eliana is she was one of the quietest, shyest, most insecure, you know, she was just so insecure about her speaking ability. But we went slowly. I trained her by just like saying, you know, just tell me about yourself. Tell me, you know, tell me stories about your life. And slowly but surely she, you know, got confidence that she got hired at, a, at an organization. And now she's doing amazing things. And my thing is, I saw her potential from the beginning because I believe everybody has potential to be an activist, an advocate, just by sharing their stories. Mm-hmm. I agree. That's super dope about Eliana. She's kind of growing on her own, right, from this documentary film or from all her work? Yeah, I mean, I would say that the documentary, you know, I was blessed to have her share it with me because, you know, I feel that she is an important part of my story okay. and my growth. But like, so it, it plays a small part of her activism and how she's growing. Gotcha. But I think just her voice, the yeah. way that she does it with so much passion on her own and she appears on all these national media outlets, like she's doing it on her own and like she's just killing the game right now. Yeah, and how did you guys meet again? So we met at a random festival. We were like just standing next to each other making sandwiches. She, you know, just being friendly, asked me what I did. I told her, she was like, oh, I think I'm one of those like immigration people you try. <clears throat> Sorry, I think you're one of those immigration people. I think you're trying to help. Uh-huh. And I was like, okay, well, let's talk. And from there, you know, we just got the training, and like, yeah, the rest is history. 
Well, let's go back to now about you. I know that you share all this on the documentary, but why don't you share with the listeners? You already said you came from two immigrant parents. Do you want to say where they're from and how, you know, they met and how they had you? So my father's from Guatemala and my mother's from Ecuador. Uh, My father came undocumented about 10 times back and forth between Guatemala and the U.S., working in all these states and all these places, all types of jobs. Uh, My mom came from Ecuador. Um, You know, there's an opportunity for her to come through family, which she took. And um, they met working in Queens, I think, at a magazine shop or so, not, uh, someplace where they like put together magazines. And um, then they began working at JFK. And a lot of my early memories were, were of them um, just working at JFK Airport and us just sitting in the parking lot, just waiting for them to get out of work and yeah. like handed handed one to the other. And like, okay. so my parents had alternating schedules. Um, and so we moved out to a community called Brownwood on Long Island where in this community was a lot of Italians, a lot of Puerto Ricans who started moving away, but then a lot of families fleeing the El Salvador Civil War settled in that community. Mm. So I grew up with everything Salvadoran around me. I love pupusas, you know, that's my favorite dish. Um, and yeah, that, that's how uh, we got to Brentwood. That's, you know, it's, it's a, I think our story became, became embedded in this Salvadoran community, in this history of the El Salvador Civil War, um, you know, people just resettling on Long Island. Although the majority of people were um, Salvadoran, um, you did have like some white, some black, but it was primarily Salvadoran. I felt that we were like any other community, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, we were just reflective of like what you saw on TRL, you know, mm-hmm. of like yeah. those were the styles, those were the trends. Everybody was really Americanized. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't feel that we were necessarily a Latino community. We were just a regular community where like, you know, you had the jocks, the cool kids, nerds, which I'm proud to be a part of. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, we were just a regular community, you know, just like any community you'd find out anywhere else uh, in the U.S. Yeah. So growing up, did you know that where you lived was very anti-immigrant? Um, not in Brentwood, because again, you know, Brentwood just was um, right very Latino. But the thing is, you started to hear things on the news and okay. read on, in Newsday or here on News Twelve that the county executive, you know, were, was on TV, you know, giving speeches about these illegal immigrants and these mm. these illegals need to go and like these illegals this and just very angry. Yeah. And so the thing is. You know, living in Brentwood, it didn't really affect us because we were all Hispanic. So we would just make fun of him. We would say, oh, like, that's, you know, that guy's going to deport you. You know, mm. watch out before, you know, you got to go back again uh, across the wall. Yeah. Many of us were born here. So, like, it yeah. didn't really affect us. Gotcha. Um, but that's that's what we would hear outside of the community. So then I know that you shared your incident that that you learned from that one mistake. Was Did that happen in high sure. school or right after high school? That happened ninth grade, I want to say. Ninth grade, also you were a freshman. Okay, should we save that for people to go watch? People to go watch the no, documentary. I, mean, I think I think it's just the beginning of the film. Yeah. So like, I'm happy to like just say it here. Okay. Um, so what happened? So I, I definitely want to go back a little bit, and actually sure. this is relevant because of September 11th. Sure. Um, you know, September 11th, of course, was like a horrifying day in our nation's history. But it's also the day that I realized how easy it was for people to go around insulting each other. How easy it is to go around and call the only Sikh kid in class a terrorist. And just yell in the hallways and then just yell at white people that they're white 
or like yell the n-word towards black people like it's so easy for people to do that and mm -hmm. like it's so easy now in schools you know mm -hmm. for for students to do that um so in order to like fit in like i wanted to be just as reckless i wanted to like just feel empowered so who were the easiest people to target in the community the day laborers that stood on the corner of you know um where where uh, people went to pick them up for work, and so I got in the car with my friends. We were 15. We shouldn't have been driving, first of all. <laughs> and um, we drove by them, and I yelled out the window, "Get out of this country, you illegal immigrants! We don't want you here." Hmm. And almost immediately, I felt the sense of regret, the sense of remorse, because I had done something wrong. And you know, I just felt like, you know what? I know it's wrong. I'm just gonna put it in the back of my mind, um, not think about it. And yeah, a few years later in college, you know, I came upon a similar incident, but this time it was like pro actual protesters protesting day laborers, and that just hit me like, wow, I contributed to this unwillingly, but I contributed to this. So I'm gonna dedicate myself to this type of work, and that's that's where that's what I would say that's where the film starts. Gotcha. You know, yeah. There's so much more to the film and the connection to the hate crimes you see on Twitter. Every day, incident after incident after incident, um, and I make that connection in the film to what's going on in today's America. Everyone that's listening, you guys have to check out From One Mistake. I know that when I YouTube it, I put From One Mistake, and then I put Handel, H-E-N-D-E-L, so I can look it up faster. Go watch the film, because what I also love of what you're doing is that you're starting a dialogue. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just starting to... It's just starting a dialogue. Sometimes we don't know where to start. And I think it's something big that you did that you came out and admitted your mistake because it is kind of embarrassing. And sometimes people want to like, uh-uh, I'm not bringing that shit up anymore, you know? Right, exactly. <laughs> That's how you went into working with immigration issues. Do you want to share more about what you're doing besides the documentary is like one umbrella, right? You sure. do the immigration MIC, the mic? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, um, you know, this is actually a perfect segue because, so my thing is, you have people who are immigration advocates, you have, like, all these national organizations that do this type of work, but you only reach a certain segment of the population with, like, you know, talking about data, talking about figures, talking about studies, uh, economic benefits, so I'm here sharing my story to go and get the rest of you, you know, everybody who thinks that they don't have a story connected to immigration but may have that story somewhere, I'm here to bring these, those people in the conversation because there are more people who have stories like me that haven't had an outlet to share their story. So that's what immigration might, or that's where it comes in. Because, you know, it's not like I go into Twitter and I say, like, who's undocumented? I want to interview you. It's if whoever, whoever is on Twitter being opinionated and seems like they want an outlet to share with the world their story or what you know they're going through that person I invite them so it, you know they could be an ally they could be undocumented they could be the head of an organization it's whoever is passionate because that's that's what I feel has is what I love about like this movement is when people have passion and I want to give them that outlet to express it I'm sure you've met a lot of really cool people through that you could also find you also have a YouTube right for that a youtube channel yeah so um the film and and um all these episodes of the immigration mic are on the youtube 
Um, and then the immigration mic, I also just put it in iTunes a couple of months ago. What are you doing now for work? Yeah, so right now I work for Race Forward. It's a national organization that works on racial justice issues. Hmm, very cool. And so what do you do there? So I work in the communications department. Um, it's an opportunity to work, to still do some work on immigration, mm-hmm. but um, just learning so much about racial justice and learning so much about uh, comms. And I think that's just a very important skill for people to have um, when working in nonprofit. One of the things about the film that I wanted to ask you as a producer. Sure. How were you emotionally during this process? Because for me personally, I cannot watch a lot of the hate videos or where people, you know, the mm-hmm. viral videos that like some lady at Walmart went crazy against uh, a Latino looking person. Right. Uh, how did you, I mean, is it hard for you? Is it easy? Did you get used to it? Some of the what video clips that you show are pretty hard to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, my mind state was fucked up. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah and and you know this this isn't just um so yeah so i would say it, my mindset has been fucked up for a long time when i when i when i talk about having gotten fired in the film i think that's where my mental health started declining because i felt that i had lost my career my platform to be able to help others mm. um and you know th- this is what I wanted to do, I had this extra motivation because I feel like I have to like sort of repent for, you know, what I did um, mm-hmm. in, uh, in high school. And then like people, you know, this nonprofit sector was just like ripping it that opportunity away from me. Mm-hmm. So Immigration Mike has helped me cope, but there still comes a, a level of like mental health degra- degradation that like I've been coping with for the last two years because mm-hmm. getting fired is embarrassing. Losing, you know, the opportunity to help people when they're getting hurt, like hurts me personally. Um, so, and and so all these clips that I put in there, it hurts me to, to watch, but it, I think it also hurt me not get, getting the film out fast enough. Mm-hmm. I was so impatient. Like when I wasn't filming or I wasn't writing or I wasn't doing anything, I'd lay on my couch and just like, play on my cell phone for hours with this pain with this like spiritual pain that people were getting hurt and I couldn't do anything about it so that's that's what my mental state was during the filming and like you know my girlfriend my friends can attest to it like I looked awful like I had mood swings um you know I I have seen a therapist for the last two years and I'm on anxiety medication, which before that I swore I'd never take. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, but I think things have turned around once the film came out. Yeah. Once the film came out and I started seeing the reception and just like how people were, you know, just, just the fact that people are watching it mm-hmm. makes me feel happier. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's the most honest I've gotten about like my mental health during yeah. that time. Well, thank you. Thank you for being honest because I know it takes a lot to make these projects. And then especially, I mean, you're not just making a project on a lighthearted topic. You know, you're talking about human lives. So thank you for for creating it and not giving up. It's so crazy how the timing is so perfect because, man, things are just so freaking crazy right now. Like I sometimes, and I, and the reason I asked you that was because I don't know if you saw that I, I posted a blog yesterday. I have this dilemma or struggle of 
how how invested do I want to get, but then take care of my mental health as well? Yeah, I mean, you know, if I could just jump in here really quickly, um, do what you can. That that's it. Like you know, I cannot bring myself to go to any more rallies. I cannot bring myself to go to any more marches. I have enough going on at work. I get a little bit of time to spend with family and friends that I need. Um, so what I can do, or like all that I can do is have these interviews every week, upload it, Facebook, Twitter, my website. Um, you know, this is all I could do. And the rest of the time is for myself. And so that's what I would advise is do what you can. If you're doing anything at all, you know, that's contributing. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't believe you have to push yourself and grind yourself down because that's how burnout happens. That's mm -hmm. how people end up hating this kind of work. Right, right. I'm going to sound repetitive, but I'm very thankful that there's people like you. You connect with a lot of different type of people. Do you have future plans? I know that we, I know that I asked you on Instagram and you're like, you know, right now I'm trying to just promote this one. But I mean, yeah. if money wasn't an issue, what future projects do you have? If money wasn't an issue, I would take this film every time that there would that a hate incident happen. I would go to that state or to that community and I'd show it and I'd play it and I'd talk to people about it. Um, you know, this very conversation we're having is the type of conversation I'd have in those communities where I'm not going to sit there and talk to you about talking points and like data and stuff. Like I'm going to tell you, it's so easy to call someone a terrorist. It's so easy to call someone illegal. Like, it's so easy to do that. But the real courage comes from educating others. And the real courage comes from, you know, showing people that you have their back. You know, there was a girl that today, you know, put out a video that she was being, you know, incessantly harassed um, on online because she was a doctor student at a Kentucky university and they're not doing anything for her. I would bring my film to that university and I would like set up a screening there. That's what I would do if money wasn't an issue. And that's what I want to do is continue, you know, talking to people. Um, so I guess, I guess, and this is my ask for anybody listening, like any way that you could help me, I don't, I don't want your money. I already spent the money on like the film. What I would love is for you to share it with your family and friends because that's where more stories are going to come from. You know, share it with your professors. You know, ask them to screen the film. Um, we'll call in for free. You know, to like talk to students. That that's what I want to do. Prior to this film, I didn't know anybody who openly came out and said I'm a DACA recipient, like Eliana. So that was sure. really really cool, and I think that 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 can help other people because I know that I'm surrounded by people because we're all surrounded. These are like our neighbors. These right. are our doctors, our teachers, but not everyone comes forward. So that was really, really dope. You introduced, you introduced me to an uh, individual who came out and shared her story. And that was just me. I could just imagine the impact on people who have no type of connection or don't even know anybody or, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And I think it's those honest conversations. So number one, like, I think what I was able to do for Eliana was provide her with the space for her to be comfortable. Because again, she wasn't always like so out there. Um, so I think, you know, our stories are shared when we're ready to share them. Mm -hmm. So I think that, you know, 
a lot of DACA recipients, you know, they have been sharing their stories for such a long time that they're professional storytellers. Um, and it's just about, you know, being an ally to them so that they're comfortable, you know, not for us to fight for them, but to like support their fight. Right, right. Um, so, so like supporting them. And um, it's, it's also, and here's one thing I want to say, it's okay to never have had a connection to this type of work or to the issue. It's okay if you just turn on CNN yesterday and you wanted to find out what what is DACA, what are undocumented immigrants. Wherever you're starting from, that's okay. There's no shame. And that's what I think this film shows, that like I actually was going backwards. I actually was actively harassing undocumented immigrants. And I eventually became an activist. And I'm mentoring DACA recipients and, you know, helping out, you know, as best I can. But anybody can be involved at any point. There's no shame in where you're starting from. It just matters where you're going. That's dope. I'm glad that I'm able to help you share the film because I support your work. I definitely support human beings from wherever they're from and happen to live in the United States. That's one of the main reasons I wanted I invited you to come share because I want your work to be watched by everybody. From one mistake, I really hope that all the listeners check it out, connect with Hendel through social media. What's your social media? So it's at Hendel Media. So it's at H-E-N-D-E-L-M-E-D-I-A, Hendel Media. And I will post all the links too so that you guys can find Hendel. And hopefully, even if it's one of my listeners watches it and shares it with another person. Thank you so much. Yeah. And uh, one thing I will say is that, you know, please connect with me. Like, I know we say a lot, like, connect with me. But I'm telling you, please connect with me. Because every time someone wants to talk to me, I'm very happy to talk to them. I'm very happy to connect them in any way I can. Please connect with me. Super awesome, man. Thank you so much. I do have to, we do have to wrap it up. I end the episodes with the same two questions. One is one current goal that you're working on, and then one is an art that you'd like to share, whether it's music, film, or book. Sure. Uh, So one goal is to be a little happier each day because, like I told you, I've been in a funk for two years straight. Um, It hasn't been easy and I, every week I'm getting a little better. So I think that's my goal, to continue getting better and to continue helping people um, be open about their mental health, like I was. Mm-hmm. An art, well, besides checking out my documentary, I would say, and this is gonna sound strange, but just the way we kind of open this conversation, go listen to The College Dropout by Kanye West. <laughs> that, nice. that, was, that was an album that changed my life, you know, when I was on the brink of just kind of wanting to throw in the towel and like not kind of live anymore. It gave me new life. Um, that music, the album is a masterpiece from start to finish. Um, so that's what I would say, ironically. Go listen to the college dropout. For sure. Thank you so much, Hendo. Thank you for tuning in today. Let me know what you guys think of today's episode. If you would like to join me in a discussion, email me at nettiespodcast at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram and Twitter under at nettiespodcast. Please continue helping me spread the word by sharing the podcast with your friends and family. Hope everyone is having a good week. I will talk to you guys soon. Peace.